This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto. Enjoy today's show. Welcome to Real Vision, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Corey Hofstein, and I will be your host for this interview. I am absolutely delighted to have with me for his debut appearance, my friend Lee Drogan. Lee is the co-founder and CIO of Starkiller Capital, a quantitative investment firm in the crypto asset space. Lee, welcome to Real Vision. Thanks, Corey. So we're going to be talking quite a bit about crypto today, but I actually wanted to start with your background first. I am a big believer that the path we walk is ultimately very formative for our current beliefs. And I think you come to crypto from a pretty unusual background. I was hoping you could walk us through it. Yeah, so my academic background is uh, actually starts in war theory and behavioral economics. Um, I actually went to school because I thought I wanted to be Tom Friedman. That uh, I, was, I was quickly disabused of the fact that that was a good idea uh, on, on a bunch of different levels. But I started my career at a quantitative hedge fund in New York running mostly momentum and event-driven kind of semi-systematic models, what we call quantumental. And uh, I fell in love with it. Uh, And I was very deeply indoctrinated into thinking about markets from that perspective. Um, The manager of the fund took a very heavy imprint on me from a behavioral perspective in teaching so many of the you know, pieces of how to read yourself, how to kind of conduct yourself on a day-to-day basis relative to your book and, and understand kind of the ebbs and flows of emotions relative to your P&L and, and positions. Um, and so, you know, I'm not a value investor. I'm never going to be one. If you made me do it, I would be a terrible one. Um, and I think, you know, in markets, it's, it's really important to understand yourself relative to what you're attempting to do. Now, you took a step away from actually managing money and and took an entrepreneurial bent for a while with a firm called Estimize. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So after a bunch of years uh, in the hedge fund space as an analyst and then a PM, uh, I got a really interesting opportunity to go into fintech in 2009 with a really nascent startup called StockTwits, which some people here definitely may... may, um, uh, be aware of. And I ran product and biz dev there for two years. And then basically out of that had, was the germ of an idea for taking the social finance concept that we had built at Stocktwits and extending it to basically a fundamental estimates prediction market for uh, EPS revenue, all sorts of other fundamental uh, equity um, variables and macroeconomic reports. And so, yeah, I I ran that for about a decade, uh, venture funded and uh, acquired back in April of uh, 2021. So any sane person has to ask, you went through this unbelievable entrepreneurial journey, which anyone who is an entrepreneur knows is 
trying and difficult. And then you suddenly decided afterwards to jump headfirst into the crypto space, but not just <laughs> trading on your own, launching a fund, which for anyone who's tried to launch a fund knows is an unbelievable and difficult grind. What made you do it? What made you say, I have to launch a crypto fund? Yeah, so this had actually been kind of a long time coming. Uh, it wasn't a spur of the moment type thing. I got involved back in crypto in 2013, and the original thesis was largely that Bitcoin was a digital religion. And if you could invest in a digital religion, would you want to? Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, uh, first kind of global asset that uh, had a embedded religious proselytization to it. Um, put more money into it in 2015. Um, but the thesis really started to change, I would say, in early 17 for two reasons. One, Ethereum really got going, and it looked like there was actually going to be very real utility in the space. It wasn't just going to be kind of some Ponzi digital religion type thing. And second, and probably more importantly, I had sat down with a friend who runs a pretty large quantitative equity asset manager, and we had a hypothesis. And the hypothesis was basically that because the crypto markets are and were largely retail and fund flows driven, there's a lot of leverage in the system, and there's relatively little intrinsic value to the assets. Um, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I mean it more like in every other asset class, we have a relatively agreed upon framework for valuing things, you know, roughly within some range that everybody's agreed upon. But in crypto, there is none of that. You know, we're basically trying to discount some massive future global growth on a, you know, on a massive scale into some infinite number of years in the future. Uh, and market participants can, you know, disagree widely over what any of this stuff is worth, given it's growing so quickly. Because of those things, our hypothesis was that if we looked, we would find a massively outsized momentum factor effect in the market. And so we took the classic CTA style uh, trend following and momentum models and we applied them to crypto and we found that, yes, these work incredibly well. And I wanted to launch um, Starkiller back in early 17 as a fully systematic book. Uh, but my board at Estimize, that wasn't something that they really wanted me to do, um, starting a, you know, a fund on the side. And uh, so put it on the back burner, ran my own book for the last number of years with these models um, in a quantum mental fashion, non-fully systematic. And that has, you know, if anybody takes a look at the charts, has obviously worked out very well. Um, and so when Estimize was acquired in... April, I uh, I got the chance to jump at this because I've been wanting to do it for so long. It's been you know an itch I've been wanting to scratch for for quite a quite a while. I want to dig into that idea of digital religion for a moment because there are so many different theses behind why people invest in crypto, and one of them, and one that was strong from the beginning, was this very libertarian bent sort of opting out of government in a way, this fully decentralized monetary system. Anyone who follows you on social media knows that your economic views skew pretty wildly away from that sense of the world. I'm curious how you reconcile the idea of investing in crypto 
and your political views versus what is a very strong political view held within the crypto space? Yeah, I'm definitely not getting invited to any of the really good crypto parties. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, look, I, I think that there, I don't think that crypto was born out of the view that we should be completely opting out of the society that we've built, you know, that has run pretty well for the last, what, 70 years or so. Um, I think it was co-opted by these people. And I don't think it was co-opted in a, um, uh, in a terrible way. I just think that that was the piece that really gave it the kickstart. And to some respect, we owe those people a debt of gratitude for really hopping on and, and driving the religious aspect to it. But I believe that the Fed has done a very good job and continues to do an even better job as we go forward. I believe that an economy needs 2 to 3% inflation a year in order to keep people from shoving money under a mattress and they need to spend and invest it, right? Like, um, these are, you know, pretty core tenants of the, uh, consumer economy that we've built. Now you can argue whether consumer economy is good, bad, whatever, but that is what drives our entire society right now. And we can't just opt out of it. And so, you know, this kind of libertarian ethos of having a global reserve currency, uh, doesn't really match with my views of how society, you know, is, is really built today. I, I am definitely a kind of, um, uh, a, in a sense, like a futurist. Like, I think we're going to push forward on a lot of different things, but I don't think that we're all just going to opt out of, you know, government. It's just, it's not the thing that's going to happen. And crypto won't be the thing that drives it. But there are things about crypto that I think are not just, you know, um, incrementalists, they are accelerationists. And, you know, we can get into a bunch of that. Hey there, revolutionaries. Thanks for tuning in. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com forward slash crypto and get unfiltered access to the most brilliant minds in finance and crypto. Join our community of lifelong learners for exclusive access, unparalleled education and unbiased insights.